Well, we are in part number four of a four-part series. It's called The Fighter. Um, what we're teaching you is something that has been taught to me, and we are doing our best to pass it on to you so that you can be encouraged and challenged and motivated. I just want to say a quick word about what's coming up. This is the end of this series, but coming up next week, we begin a brand new series called Plan E which means if we're on plan E, there's been a plan A, B, C, and a D. We have tried some plans, have we not? We're on plan E. This is going to be a potentially, for you, life-changing series. And we hope that if you are in town, that you will be here with us. If you're not, that you'll be with us on Facebook Live. We hope that you will be a part of this series the next three months. This is going to be a one-month series, but the two uh, months that even follow this, this happens to be the most powerful um, teaching topic and text that we have had in the fall since we maybe have started this church. I hope you're going to be here with us for the next three months. Uh, this is going to be a significant, significant teaching, and we hope you'll be encouraged. We hope you'll be a part of it. But now we're wrapping up this series called The Fighter. In week number one, we talked about that big fight that George Foreman had when he came out of retirement and he came from behind at 45, 46 years old and weighed a whole lot more than he did, than he had, was a whole lot slower. And he came from behind and he won that fight with a knockout. Amazing, amazing fight. But what would happen? Let, let's say that you were at that fight in 1995, 94, whenever that was. You were there. Let's say you were there. And let's just say you saw what was happening, which was this. George Foreman was way behind. He was losing on every single scorecard from every single judge. He was way behind. And let's just say you left the arena, the stadium, the Coliseum moments before the knockout and you headed out towards the parking lot. You were saying to yourself, I knew it. I knew he was going to lose. He's too old. He's too fat. He's too slow. I should have seen this coming. And what if his friends left? Not just you. What if his friends left? And they were saying to themselves, I knew he shouldn't have tried this. <sighs> Oh boy, let, let's leave before he sees us. And they took off. And what if his family left? And they're shaking their heads. Georgie, Georgie, Georgie. Oh, George. They would have all missed one of the greatest moments in sports history had they left and headed towards the parking lot. And I believe they would have then at that point started to hit their own head saying, I missed it. I didn't see it. I thought he had lost. I always miss it. I'm an idiot. I think that's what they would have said, hitting their head the whole time. We know George won. But just think for a moment. What if George himself got knocked out that night? And what if George is now waking up in the dressing room and he's coming to and suddenly he's looking around and he is all alone because everyone close to him has left because they wanted to get out and beat the traffic home, right? And now George is alone and he's there with just him 
and his loss. And of course, he's got the boxing gloves on and he's trying to get them unlaced and he can't do it by himself. It's just him. Suddenly, when George needed somebody the most, they were nowhere to be found. They were gone. They were in their cars by now, halfway home, saying to themselves things like this. Mike Tyson driving home. Glad that wasn't me. I can't do impersonations, but you get the idea. Maybe it was his brother-in-law, George Foreman's brother-in-law, and he was like, it's okay, honey, it's okay. We helped him out last time. Or maybe it was his trainer, and he's saying, again? Seriously, George, how many times? His neighbor on his way home, he's saying, "Ah, listen, we don't have time for this. His barber shop, they're like, we don't know how to help, we just do hair. But of course, this didn't happen. I mean, George did. He came from behind and he won big. That didn't always happen. Maybe you have received that phone call and you find out on the phone that it is worse than you thought. That person that you love, maybe they are behind and it doesn't look like they're going to win. Maybe they're going to lose. And maybe it's something with their health, or maybe it's something with a job, or maybe it's something in their own marriage, or in another relationship, or at work, or maybe it's, it's their teenager at home, or maybe it's with an adult child, but something is wrong, and it doesn't look like they're going to win. How do you react? How do you respond? Do, do you say the same things that maybe we just talked about? Do you say to yourself, I, I, I don't have time for this? Or do you say, I I don't even know how to help? Or do you say, I'm glad it wasn't me? Or do you say, again, seriously, how many times? Today, we're talking about this. We're saying, please don't in life go out to the parking lot to try to beat traffic. We're saying, please don't in life slip out hoping that they don't see you. Please don't leave thinking we don't have time for this. Today is about not missing that moment in somebody else's life. Today is about being a part of a team as you help others in their come-from-behind victories. And it's, not, it, it's about you not missing out. But listen to this. It's about you not missing out, even if it turns out to be a loss. Now, this morning, if you're just kind of investigating Jesus, I want you to know you are in a safe place to investigate the claims of Jesus. We're not going to put you on the spot. We're not going to pressure you. We're not going to try to coerce you or talk you into something. In fact, If you're just investigating Jesus with us today, if you're just checking Jesus out, I want you to know what we're talking about today, you do not have to even do. You don't have to do this. But if you are a Christ follower this morning, we don't have a choice. We must do this. We don't have an option. 
You see, we believe something very fundamental. As Jesus followers, we believe that in life we were losing. In life, we were way behind and we were losing. But God gave us exactly what we needed. Spiritually, we came from behind in this life and we won because of Jesus. Now, this is what we believe as Jesus followers. If you believe that as truth, then that means this. Our response to anyone around us who is losing, our response must be marked with generosity, with love, with compassion, with kindness. Now, this is huge. This is no small matter of us just simply thinking we're being inconvenienced. Our very reputation it rests on how we respond to someone who's losing. It's our reputation as people. It rests on how we respond. Our reputation as a church is dependent upon how we respond to people who are losing. And I want to go as far as to say this. The reputation of Jesus is on the line. Because we are his commissioned representatives. So now, enter into the ring, Jesus. We're going to look at a snapshot of Jesus, and it's going all the way back to near the beginning of his public ministry. So let's look at this snapshot that Mark gives us of Jesus. Mark chapter 2, let's start with verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Verse 2. Soon, the house where he was staying... Okay, let me pause here for just a moment. The house where he was staying. It's widely accepted and projected. We don't know this for sure. That he was staying in Peter's house. Because he was in Peter's hometown. And just a few verses earlier... Jesus is specifically in the house of Peter. So it's kind of a safe bet. This, this may be Peter's house that we're talking about here. It might not be, but it doesn't really matter to the story. But it's kind of a, kind of a safe bet that this very well could be Peter's house that he's staying in. So let's go back to the story. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. Now, the capacity of a home in this town called Capernaum, the, it, it would allow maybe about 50 people who would be standing very close together. Uh, as, as they have done excavations on these homes in Capernaum, so far, about the biggest span that a house had was about 18 feet. So this is no giant home. So there's probably about 50 people packed in there are a few sitting, most are standing. Let's go back to the scene in this home, packed with people and people crowding around the door to see in. While he was preaching God's word to them, this is Jesus, while Jesus was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. 
So I, I can just only assume, we fill in some gaps here, that these four men heard Jesus was in town. He was in this home. And so they run. They think, let's go get, let's go get our friend. And so they run to get their friend. They grab his mat by the corners. Now, a mat is, is another way to say this is just a very poor man's portable bed. And so they grab him by the corners and they towed him away. Now, this was not a comfortable way to travel. This was not an easy way to travel. He was dependent upon people carrying him, and it was not a comfortable way to go. But they grab hold of his mat and they say, listen, dude, you're coming with us. And they kind of talk to him probably on the way. Verse 4, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Oh, all right, Bob, we tried. I mean, listen, it, it's crowded here. We tried. Um, looks like we're just going to have to take you back. I mean, the house is full. We tried. Uh, but hey, listen, fellas, on the way home, let's stop and get some pretzels because I think we got a little more time. We can catch the rest of this football game if we hurry. Uh, Bob, we gave it our best shot. I guess today's just not your day, dude. Um, we're going we're gonna to drop you off. But listen, they say that when God closes a door, clearly we couldn't get through the door, that he always opens a window. So we're going to drop you off by a window. We're going to pray for you. Praise God. Something's going to happen. We'll see you later. Bob, um, by the way, go cowboys, right? And so we'll see you. But that's not what they did. No, 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 no. They didn't give up. These four friends didn't just drop him off and shrug their shoulders and say, oh, oh, well. No, they didn't quit. Something in the back of their mind or the front of their mind said, if we can just get Bob to Jesus, something good can happen. Now, the houses that they had here, most of them were these houses, and on the outside of the house, along the outside wall, they would have a set of stairs that climbed up and went to the roof, but it would be attached. So here's the wall, and the, the stairs would be going up like that. Now, the stairs were narrow. They were very steep. And they really weren't wide enough for two people to be side by side. They're pretty narrow and steep. So somehow, these four friends managed to get this one guy who's on this mat. They managed to wrangle this cot up to the top of the roof, with, somehow without dumping him out down the stairs. So they head up to the roof of this house. And now on the roof, there's this very thick layer of thatch to keep the rain out. And on top of the thatch, then, would be a layer of mud. On top of the mud would be a layer of homemade, handmade tiles on the top. And here's what they begin to do. Mark tells us. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Above the head of Jesus, they begin to dig this hole. And first, there's a little noise, some scratching sounds. And you know, it's Jesus. Jesus knows. There's no surprise here. He knows what's going on. And I can just imagine as he's teaching these people and hearing this noise. He knows what's coming. And he's possibly just thinking to himself, oh boy, <laughs> these, you guys are getting ready to freak out here in just a minute. The scratching sounds, 
Then some dust begins to fall. And, and then some thatch begins to shake out onto the people. And then some chunks of dirt. I can just imagine them thinking, I washed my hair last year. I'm going to have to wash it again. Chunks start to fall. Peter, if he is the owner, Peter's got a temper. Peter, I can just imagine pieces of tile starting to fall and hit the ground and they're dodging, they're getting nasty. And Peter thinking, come on guys, that's my roof. My insurance will cover hell damage, but it's not going to cover ding dong damage. Come on guys. And here's what happens. Mark says, then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. I can just imagine the people who got there early, who knew Jesus was coming and they arrived early so they could get inside. They stood in line. They waited in line so they could get inside. They're like thinking, this is not fair. We had to get up early. We had to wait in line. You cheaters, cheater, cheater, pumpkin eat Jesus. They're cheating. Jesus, in verse 5, seeing their faith. Can you imagine? The, the guys who are above looking through this hole. They're thinking, Jesus, he sees our faith. High five, chest bump, knuckles, secret handshake, cabbage patch dance, whatever that is. Jesus, Mark says, said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. And the guy's looking from above, yes, I knew it. I knew it if we could just get him to Jesus. Wait a minute. What did he say? That, no, 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 no. That's not what I was expecting. I, 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 thought, it, I thought he was going to heal him. I, you mean we're going to have to drag him back up through the hole and tote him back home? I, oh, man. Maybe for the friends, having his sins forgiven, that's not what they were thinking was going to happen. That's not what they were hoping for. But in this moment, their faith moved Jesus. Now, this is interesting because it doesn't appear that Jesus is moved because of what they believed. It seems that Jesus was moved because of what they did. And this is accurate 2,000 years ago, and I believe it's accurate for us today as well. Faith is best expressed through actions, not words. Now, we don't know what these friends of this paralyzed man, we don't know what they were thinking, really. But we do know what the professional religious people who were scattered throughout that room, we do know what they were thinking because Mark tells us in verse, verse 6. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there, 
and of course they were sitting because they were more important, the professional religious people, who were sitting there, were, they thought to themselves, what is he saying? Talking about Jesus. That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus, in verse 8, says, Jesus knew immediately, because Jesus knows, immediately what they were thinking. They didn't say this out loud. They were thinking it. He knew, he knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this? In your hearts. You see, Jesus didn't ignore their thoughts. Actually, a debate starts right here at this point. And Jesus is actually telling these people, he's saying, I am not just from God, I am God. It's like he's saying, You are right, fellas. Only God can forgive sins. You're correct. And that's me. He goes on, verse 9. Here's the debate. Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or, he says, is this question easier? Or this statement easier? Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. He's saying, which is easier? me forgiving his sins, or is it easier for me to tell him to stand up and walk? Verse 10, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And now while he's waiting on them to answer, he goes ahead and just forgive, uh, uh, heals the guy. Then Jesus turns to the paralyzed man and said, verse 11, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, got his stuff together, and he walked out and stunned the onlookers. I mean, they're sitting there and standing there, and they're like, what? What is going on here? Did you see that? They were all stunned because Jesus did what couldn't be seen. That's he forgave the man's sin. And then Jesus did what everyone could see, and he took a man who could not walk, and he gave him the ability to walk. And that guy picked up his mat, tucked it under his arm, he looked around the room, said, thank you very much, I'll see you, and mic drop, I'm out. And he was gone. And they were amazed. That's what Mark says. He says, they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Now, we know from the context that all is speaking of those who are really there with Jesus, for Jesus. Amazed. Professional religious people. They were less than amazed. But these friends, and the paralyzed man included, so that's five of them, four friends and the paralyzed man, they were convinced if they can just get to Jesus Christ, something good would happen. If they could just get this man to the feet of Jesus, whatever it took, however they had to, something, something would change. 
that needs to be us. We need to be the people who will bring people to Jesus. You see, after Jesus died and he rose again and he started this thing called the church and then he left, he commissioned those people around him, which now includes us, the church, for each one of us to be representatives of Jesus in this world in which we live. For us to be the hands of Jesus. The hands of Jesus to all the people around us. For us to be the feet of Jesus to all the people around us. For us, the church to be the body of Jesus in this world. And I ask you, will you be that? Let's be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. Let us be the body. The body to anybody who needs somebody. We are the body. The tangible expression of Jesus on this earth. You see, come from behind friends. They are the kind that will tear off the roof to help you. And yes, it's going to be messy. It's going to be dirty. But you say, if I have to call, if I have to friends, whatever it is, I won't stop. Come from behind friends want their friends to know that Jesus is with them right now. They want their friends to know this. If you're a come-from-behind friend, that God has not left you. You see, it's easy to say something to them. It's easy to say, oh, I'm thinking about you, or oh, I'll pray for you. But what if God wants you to do more than that? To tear off the roof. What if he wants you to carry them to Jesus? That's what come from behind friends do. Uh, maybe, maybe it's your presence that they need. Maybe they need you sitting right beside them. Maybe it's your money that it might take to help. Maybe it's some kind of gift. I, I don't know. But if somebody in your small group or in your huddle, if, if they have a family member in the hospital, maybe it's you dropping in to love them. Maybe you have to give them a gas card for some reason, or maybe perhaps you take them a meal to their home or to the hospital. Because that's what come from behind friends do. And I believe in our church, the best expression of this happens in small groups and in these new forming things we're calling huddles. Now, if you're not in a small group, you need to be in a huddle. And if you will let me know on your connection card, I will get you some information to help you get a huddle started. Maybe you say, Harley, I, I've got good intentions, and I intend, I intend to help. I intend to do something, but I just forget. It's not that I forget to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I, I, I just forget. I, I can't remember when the surgery is, and I, I just forget to do something. 
Maybe, maybe you need to just send a text to yourself. I do that all the time for me. Just maybe it's setting a reminder in your phone and you put down a name of why and when and where. But I need to say this to you. Stuttgart Harvest Church, I am so proud of you because you are learning. You are learning to be the body to anybody who needs somebody. That is you. At Stuttgart Harvest Church, we say nobody stands alone. And you are becoming that. That is just who we are, and that is just who you are becoming, the hands and feet of Jesus. And you know what? When we are the hands and feet of Jesus, it leaves people stunned. It leaves people amazed. It leaves people loved. And it leaves people at the feet of Jesus where they can be changed, where they can be forgiven. Stuttgart Harvest Church, you are come from behind friends. And this week we're asking you to do three things, just three things. As come from behind friends, will you do these three things? Here's the first. Will you be the hands and feet of Jesus inside of your small group or inside of your newly forming huddle? Not with words. Will you be the hands and feet of Jesus in your small group or in your huddle with actions? Here's the second thing we're asking from you today. If you're not in a small group right now, will you start a huddle this week? And you simply need to contact me on Facebook, a text message, or write it on the back of your connection card. Give me good contact information for you. Will you contact me? And I will then contact you and let you know how you can start a huddle. Here's the third thing. We're just asking you to be here next week as this new series starts. And this new series has the potential to give your huddle a powerful start. This next series has the potential for your small group to electrify your small group. And this next series has the potential to transform your walk with Jesus. We're asking you to be here as we start. Now, let's pray. Christ, it is by your design. You have no body now on this earth but ours. No hands upon this earth but ours. Jesus by your plan, you have no feet walking around this earth now except ours. Jesus, it is through our eyes that you look with compassion upon the world around you. May our feet be your feet. Carry us to do good, God. May your hands be our hands as we bless others who are around us today and every day this week. And may we be come from behind friends and carry others to you, Jesus. It is in your name 
that we ask these things. The name of Jesus we pray. Amen.